I've received a number of questions from our study in Revelation, particularly over the last couple of weeks. And so I wanted to share a couple of questions that I received, and also if you have any questions relating to our studies, to give you an opportunity to share those. If I can't give any insight and response, we'll take note of them and look at them next week. So one of the questions that was asked from two weeks ago was, I heard every living creature, John goes on to say, in the earth, in the sea, and under the earth. And the question was, what creatures are under the earth? Supernatural beings? People in hell? Some commentators look at that verse, and they do include the possibility of fallen angels. And there is a connection in the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It at least contains every creature that is in existence. Everything God has made to reflect His glory Everything that is in existence as, as part of God's creative genius, right down to the things that we do not appreciate, but somehow they are part of the biological, the horticultural aspects of how the earth works and brings forth food. The ants that are a picture of industriousness. Every creature that he has created, that word create being the root word of creature. But yes, even the demons acknowledge that he is Lord. So, this perhaps does include even fallen angels having to acknowledge the worth of God and the preeminence of the Lamb. Another thing that I said in that study, as we were talking about how the visions in Revelation are in pairs. There is a scene in heaven, and then there is a scene that follows on earth. And I said that what transpires on earth has first transpired in the spiritual realm, in the heavenlies. And so, when you said what takes place in the physical realm has already transpired in the spiritual does that apply to individuals and time spent with God? For example, spiritual things, Christ-likeness, fruit, etc. 
takes place because of the time I have spent with him. Something has already occurred in the realm, the spiritual realm, that shows up in the physical realm. And yes, that would be true. That is a great question. Anything that is spiritual first needs to take place through a work of the Holy Spirit. I don't manifest patience or gentleness or humility just as a result of my efforts here on earth. It's a result of the Holy Spirit working in me, the result of me spending time in the spiritual realm through prayer and the reading of the Word. And whenever you and I spend time, we are entering the spiritual realm. Remember the words that begin chapter 4. I saw a door opened in heaven. And we talked about the fact that there is a gateway between the physical realm and the spiritual realm. Our times of prayer, the place of the altar here on earth, is an intersection between the physical realm and the spiritual realm. And we can see that in Scripture. We can see various examples of it. We can see where a sacrifice was offered and fire came down from heaven. Whether that is in the dedication of the temple or whether that was with Elijah on Mount Carmel confronting the demonic powers behind the worship of the priest of Baal. An altar is always a place of intersection between the physical realm and the spiritual realm. And so when you and I are reading God's Word and we are praying it, and we are seeking the Lord for insight or to accomplish it in our lives and our hearts are convicted and we desire the work of the Holy Spirit and we surrender ourselves to Him. That really is a work that is occurring at that moment in the spiritual realm. And then the fruit of it, the result of it, is manifested in our lives. And so, yes... In order for us even to grow in Christ, there is something that is accomplished in the spiritual realm. We have died to self. We have experienced a greater measure of God's grace being affected in our lives, shaping us, and making us more like Jesus Christ. One question that was asked from this past Sunday came from chapter 6 and verse 16. Hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. If the Lamb represents grace and the purchase of our salvation through His blood, why this statement of the wrath of the Lamb. Well, there's two sides to God. 
God is loving, but God is also just. He is holy, and he is also gracious. He is righteous, but he is also merciful. And so Jesus, being God, one side is grace and our Savior, our Lord of salvation, and the other side is that he is righteous and therefore he is judge. You and I can go back to John chapter 5, for example. And Jesus is speaking that whoever believes in him will cross over from death to life. But then he also declares that the Father has committed judgment to him and that he gives life to whomever he chooses. So again, there is both sides to who Jesus is. Jesus would speak in John chapter 8 with grace to the woman who had been caught in adultery and with judgment and condemnation to the Jews because they refused to believe in him.